0: welcome to the New Books Network. This is the Literary Studies podcast and I'm Natalia, one of the hosts on the channel. Today I will be speaking uh, with Dr. Mark Andrzejczyk and we will be discussing his book The Intellectual as Hero in the uh, 1990s Ukrainian Fiction. Hello uh, Dr. Mark Andrzejczyk and thank you so much for uh, being with us today.
1: Hello, hello, good morning, and uh, thanks for having me on. looking forward to discussing uh, my book with you.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, would you mind if we begin this interview with you saying a few words about yourself?
1: Uh, sure. I work at Columbia University in New York City, where I administer uh, the Ukrainian Studies Program at the Harriman Institute, and I teach Ukrainian literature at the Slavic Department at Columbia. The Ukrainian Studies Program... Uh, um, what it entails is we organize Ukrainian courses at Columbia uh, and series of events and conferences um, that take place at, at the university. Um, one of the ongoing things uh, that we've been organizing in what's well, been nine years now is a contemporary Ukrainian literature series where we've been bringing over authors from Ukraine to meet with audiences in New York and in Washington, D.C., at the Kennan Institute, because they are a co-sponsor of this series. Um, That's been a very exciting initiative, and I'm happy to say that uh, next year we'll be publishing an anthology of contemporary Ukrainian literature in English translation based on these evenings that we've had and these authors that we have uh, brought over.
0: Oh, uh, thank you. That sounds great. And could you tell us a little bit about those recent, probably uh, meetings m- meetings with Ukrainian writers?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, last year, last they usually take place in the fall, in October or November. Um, but uh, last year we had a young writer from Ukraine, uh, Sofia mm-hmm. Um She lives in Kiev, um, and she was reading from her award-winning novel, Felix Austria, uh, which is being now translated to English, and it has been translated to German, and uh, I think Polish already as well. Um, other guests that have come over the last nine years have been um, Taras Prochasko, Serhiy Dan, mm-hmm. Ivan Malkovich, Yuri Andrukovich, Viktor Neborak, mm-hmm. um, Andrei Bondar, Sosko Boichenko, uh, Andrei Kurkov, uh, Mariana Salka, uh, and this year, next month, we're very excited to newest installment of the program we will have a writer, a poet who lives in cave uh, Luba Yakimchuk.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned that um, you will be publishing a, a new anthology on Ukrainian literature. Um, could you just mention a couple of uh, names that will be included included into this anthology?
1: Yes, this, this is, uh, will be published by Academic Studies Press, and mm-hmm. like I said, hopefully, uh, next year. And, well, th- the names that I mentioned, uh, already will all be there because it will exclusively feature authors that have presented in this series. So, uh, all those authors I just mentioned, I also mentioned some that I haven't, uh, I don't mm-hmm. remember if I mentioned it was city Gabor or Andriy Bondor, Mariana Salka, um, the uh, um I think think that.
0: I think we got all of them. So it's gonna be a total of fifteen authors. Oh, well, um, that sounds wonderful. Well uh, I'm, oh, we're looking forward to this new publication.
1: Thank you. Yeah, me too.
0: Yeah. So, the title of your book is The Intellectualist Hero in 1990s Ukrainian Fiction, and um, in the introduction with an intriguing title, approaching the post-Soviet Ukrainian intellectual, or the word intellectual, pronounced with an Ukrainian accent, you outlined the concept of the intellectual as diverse and multilayered. Could you tell us a little bit about the diversity and multi-layeredness of the concept to the intellectual, and how did this interpretation shape your research?
1: Yeah, um... I'll backtrack a little bit uh, to say why, you know, I, I, I took on this uh, this this task mm-hmm. of writing this book, and why I focused on this Ukrainian uh, intellectual and how I defined it. Uh, I spent a lot of 1990s uh, in in Ukraine working on various projects, and uh, I was picking up, uh, trying to keep up with all these uh, new literary works that were being uh, published, mostly early on in in magazines and journals, but uh, later. In, in books, uh, and I was focusing on prose and I noticed a lot of the most, more intriguing and, and, and interesting works, uh, happened to, to feature Ukrainian intellectuals as, as protagonists. And, uh, I had never noticed this in Ukrainian literature before that, that this was, uh, that so much focus was, uh, was given to this Ukraine intellectual and, um, that's when I decided uh, it would be interesting to see what kind of new prototypes of the Ukrainian intellectual are presented in these literary works and to work towards defining the term intellectual by tracing how these protagonists act in this prose while navigating their relationship with power and society. And by choosing uh, the term intellectual, I had to kind of define what what, I, what I meant from it meant for I took kind of a... Uh, Maybe a bit narrower uh, understanding of the term, but um, intellectual, as I refer to it, is to creative individuals. And these are artists and those including critics and scholars who devote their lives to analysis and interpretation of the creative activity of these individuals. And those are the type of intellectuals that actually were saturating this prose. And that's why I chose to to focus on them.
0: Okay. Uh, Thank you. And you mentioned that um, you spent the 1990s in Ukraine. And uh, could you tell us a a little bit about that stay in Ukraine and um, um, what you were researching uh, in terms of maybe journals or texts or uh, maybe you were affiliated with some institutions in Ukraine?
1: Uh, actually, uh, it all it started out uh, quite interestingly. I I came. I'm a musician and mm-hmm. uh, I was a DJ um, at Drexel mm-hmm. University, the BKDU in Philadelphia, and um, I was interested in what was happening musically in Ukraine mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and I, I I met some interesting people. Uh, I was mostly in Cave and, and, and in in and I met. Uh, People representative of the the music scene uh, mm-hmm. of the early '90s, mid '90s, and what became fascinating is how tightly woven um, the music scene was with the literature scene and with the visual arts scene. Uh, a lot of these new bands in Ukraine that I found to be most interesting were setting, uh, writing songs set to poetry by these contemporary writers who were their friends and colleagues, and then often visual artists, uh, from that scene, would would design books for these writers and album covers for these musicians. So it was a really interesting, tightly knit scene. And so it was through music that I was mostly pulled into, to literature. And, um, and I just thought that there was very exciting things happening. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I just started trying to get my hands on, on things that were published, uh, initially, uh, again things were a lot of these works uh both poetry and prose but we're talking about prose today uh in journals such as um was a very interesting journal that was published in ivano francus where a lot of uh this new prose would uh, debut and also um probably the central uh journal more formal journal uh publishing cave um called
0: contemporary mm-hmm. scene. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I find this connection between music and literature very, very interesting. Um, as far as I remember, the um, music scene in the 1990s was very diverse and very tumultuous. Um, could you could you give us just a couple of names of Ukrainian bands, probably, or Ukrainian singers that somehow um, inspired you for this uh pursuit of this topic, the intellectual, uh, or somehow influenced uh, your research?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I would have say two of, the, two of the main bands that were tied with the literature scene that I got close with were two bands. One was uh, called Plachy Jeremiah's mm-hmm. Cry. The other was uh, Mertwi Pivin, uh, mm-hmm. the Dead Minister. And uh, Plachy was led by Taras Chubai, whose father was a kind of a leader of this literary cultural underground in Soviet Union in the late 60s and early 70s and then a wonderful poet who unfortunately died quite young. And Taras uh, was singing, writing songs to his father's poetry and the poetry is beautiful and Taras's interpretations were quite beautiful. So um, that was a huge um, influence and kind of sparked my curiosity and then uh, Taras, uh, as well as uh, Dead Rooster, Matthew Piven, also wrote uh, songs of contemporary poets, uh, mostly writers uh, from the boo literary literary uh, trio, uh, Yuri Andorkovic, Viktor Neborak, and some on Sashkori Irvanetsis, but also other uh, writers as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that sounds wonderful, yeah. Uh, well, so let's get back to, uh, to our discussion of your uh, book. And uh, the time period that um, your book covers is the 1990s. And I would like to speak a little bit about that uh, time period in terms of history. And since Ukrainian literature appears to respond to the changing environment, the, on the one hand, that was the collapse of the Soviet Union, and on the other hand, it was the emergence of an independent country. So uh, could you could you describe the 1990s? 1990s historically just to introduce us to the multiple artistic searches of Ukrainian writers that were em- emerging during the time period?
1: Yeah, uh, like I said, it, w- it was a fascinating time and, and, and I was I was happy to be there uh, then um, to witness some of these changes. Uh, well, you know, of course you had Glasnost uh, in the second half of the 1980s and this loosening of, of rules on culture and in general and uh and the eventual collapse of the Soviet Union uh and what it meant for Ukrainian literature was uh for the first time in a long time uh in Ukraine uh Ukrainian literature was freed from from confines and rules that were assigned to it quite strictly um and this generation of writers that I focus on in, in my in my monograph, this, in this 80s generation, 80ers, um, they happen to be that generation that was beginning to write at this time in the late 80s and, and 90s. And they became kind of the first generation to lead uh, Ukrainian literature in independent Ukraine. Uh, so, you know, so what's happening in Ukraine? You have... Not only do you have this freedom uh, for these writers to write whatever they want and whatever style they want, uh, which which was not really uh, able you know, possible earlier, but uh, you, you have you know sudden access to the world and to world culture uh, which had been closed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that was in a very exciting and, and chaotic and head-spinning mm-hmm. development. Uh, but also one very important factor also uh, that was uh, in place at this time was you have this rehabilitation of, of previous cultural achievements, uh, Ukrainian cultural achievements, and not just Ukrainian, but for these writers. Um, what I mean by that were is a lot of uh, Ukrainian writers whose works were suppressed during the Soviet Union for for many, many years uh, were being, suddenly there was more access to them. Books were being published where uh, even if some works had been allowed by these writers uh, previously, now there was access to more of these works and there was actually some critical analysis of these works. So, I mean, it's really interesting. You can just even look at what books were being published. So just to recap, you have uh, previously banned Ukrainian literature uh, anthologies uh, starting to show up in bookstores or, or or single books. Then you have slowly translations of world literature uh, of books uh, that were previously closed off to the world, and then you have these uh, books by by contemporary writers. And um, so this is all happening at once, uh, which added to the uh, to the
0: excitement right um i was um i was impressed by um that section where you discussed um the previous stages of the ukrainian literature and uh, um some works were either banned or they were presented through some uh, Soviet propaganda.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, there was uh, a very strong influence of critical um, uh, of, uh, critical analysis and um, literary criticism, so to speak, when some works were presented uh, through some um, uh, communist ideology or a Soviet ideology and um, probably the perception of those te- uh, texts um, was some, uh, somehow uh, distorted or um, shaped according to to that ideology. Um, g- could you tell us just a little uh, a little bit about that uh, influence of, so to speak, Soviet uh, criticism on uh, Ukrainian uh, texts or Ukrainian writers during the eighties, for example, during even the seventies?
1: Well, again, I mean. Like you mentioned, uh, a lot of works were banned. Uh, a lot of the more interesting works were banned, and what was published, uh, you know, by the Writers' Community of Ukraine and sanctioned, were, uh, you know, not the best things that were being written in mm-hmm. the Ukraine language at the time. Uh, you know, a lot of these writers who later began publishing their works in the '90s were, you know writing for the drawer, they were not publishing this, where they would distribute it, uh, you know, just among friends, and mm-hmm. that, that that would get you in trouble, especially, um, you know, in the 60s and, and the 70s, and that's exactly what happened to Hritsko Chubay, Taras Chubay's father, as leader of this underground um, circle, which included uh, such important people as Viktor Morozov and Nikola Ryabchuk. And Oleg and later Yuri Vinichuk, was they had published a a journal uh, called Skrinya, the Chest, which was was fully apolitical. It was just you Mm -hmm. know nonconformist journal about free art and free expression and free thinking. And it was for that journal that Shaha and Moroza were thrown out of university because their works were published there, and Chubai was. Marginalized uh, for the rest of his life, and uh, so that was what was not being published officially. What was being published officially, mm-hmm. and like you mentioned, uh, was uh, presented through a through a prism of Soviet ideology. Uh, was first of all, uh, for Ukrainian literature, it was mostly it was very rarely you saw in Ukrainian literature that was published officially in Soviet times where you had a Ukrainian intellectual. Mm-hmm. Uh, you very seldom had Ukrainians set in some kind of urban situation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it to be a more of a rural uh, setting. Uh, and, you know, general rules as to what, what could be uh, presented? Uh, what could be referenced? Uh, alluded to? Um, this whole Ukrainian modernism and world modernism, you know, had been cut off, and expressions uh, of the individual um, were not free. You couldn't do it freely in the Soviet, um, Soviet sanctioned works.
0: Mm-hmm. So one more question about um, Ukrainian intellectual, uh, which is probably not very closely related to um, your research of the 1990s, but still, um, so what's your opinion on um, on this particular topic, on this particular aspect uh, during the 1920s uh, when the Soviet um, regime was getting stronger and... Um, but. At the beginning of the 1920s there was some probably um, euphoric like you mentioned in your research, uh, part one euphoric uh, anticipation maybe of uh, some new uh, environment or maybe some hopes and some expectations, but of course they um, disappear uh, disappeared uh, quite um, uh, quickly. So um, did, did you did you do any research on this particular topic? I mean the uh, Ukrainian intellectual within the 1920s? Uh, yeah, I have researched the 1920s, Mm -hmm.
1: um, I haven't focused on the Ukraine intellectual as I did in, you know, in my monograph here on contemporary works, but I actually, I do teach a course at Columbia, Mm -hmm. uh, on that period. And yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a fabulous, uh, very exciting period for Ukraine culture, visual art as well, and music. and for literature uh, first and foremost uh, you had uh, writers writing in various styles mm-hmm. and uh, having a, a good healthy polemic uh, mm-hmm. which only helped to to raise the quality of their works mm-hmm. uh you know you had uh the city of kharkiv was a major center then for this activity um you had journals you had exciting collaborations uh happening among uh various uh uh, writers and artists visual artists so it was it was a fascinating time and for ukrainian literature in the, if we're talking about prose then you had interesting characters you had uh uh protagonists in these works uh and uh, in fact what what i'm making the point i'm making is this this reconnection uh, that these eight years, the contemporary Ukrainian mm-hmm. writers were doing, was reconnecting with this Ukrainian modernism. Um, and the big part of that was the writers from the twenties who, whose works were being republished, uh, uh, uh at the time in the late eighties and early nineties. Uh, but also with writers, emigre writers, uh, like the New York group, uh, in the United States who, who kept, uh, Ukrainian modernism alive, mm-hmm. um, in the years of the Soviet Union.
0: And, and what happened to that vibrant cultural environment back in the 1920s? Well,
1: what happened was, you know, initially there was a policy of Ukrainianization mm-hmm. uh, that was implemented in order to uh, get the message uh, of uh, Soviet ideology to to the ukrainian peasant uh and so you know it was supported by the government again journals um there was financial support for ukrainian literature and in the beginning there weren't many constraints on it but uh it tended to it got too good mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and too you know it was it became like i mentioned it was it was a very good polemic and great works were being written and then as you know twenties came to an end and, and and literature was being uh command of, of Soviet literature was being increasingly centralized uh, and the writers' union was established then um, this was put to an end mm-hmm. and uh strict rules were enforced of what uh Soviet literature, including Soviet-Ukraine literature, was to do, and unfortunately uh, most of the representatives of this uh, cultural uh, rebirth, Ukrainian cultural rebirth, were uh, executed. Mm-hmm.
0: So this revival of um, uh, cultural life you also discussed in your book, and uh, I, I would like to um, uh, talk a little bit about the structure of your book. I find it very interesting. It um, has three parts, uh, euphoria, chaos, and community. Uh, and these three parts, to some extent, reflect the um, stages of um, Ukrainian literature development during this time period. On the other hand, it also somehow represents the changing moods uh, during um, this time period that um, was um, that were observed in the Ukrainian community. So, could I, uh, and then each part um, has some subtitles, uh, and here you discuss um, uh, new prototypes of the Ukrainian intellectual. Um, some of them are uh, very um, um, interesting. This washbuckling performer, the ambassador to the West, the six-soul. Um, could you tell us a little bit about these different masks uh, of the Ukrainian intellectual and about uh, these stages that you identify in the Ukrainian literature of this time period?
1: Sure, yeah. Uh... Again, like I mentioned at, at the outset, uh, I was looking, you know, what or, or were there any new prototypes of Ukrainian intellectuals presented by this uh, post-Soviet prose? And and these are the three that I found in this mm-hmm. prose. The, the swashbuckling performer is uh, a Ukrainian intellectual as being at the center of uh, some kind of interesting event. Uh, th- this is intellectual that um, – this is an individual – that people want to listen to, that crowds adhere to, almost like a rock star, uh, almost like an action hero. Uh, And this we see primarily in the prose of Yuri Andrukovich, his first three novels. Uh, And this Ukraine intellectual as an individual that somebody aspires, that looks up to. uh, and it has this power of performance and this power of performance, uh, allows them to enchant the audience. So that, that was a new uh, prototype that I found in the prose. the second, the second prototype, the ambassador to the West, uh, was what you found in these works in many of these works were these, uh, protagonists, intellectuals were sent to the West. Uh, and in these in these uh, fictional works, we see how a they react to the West, uh, what their perceptions are, uh, how they find what is compatible to them, what is not, what is strange, uh, what what did they think they would find there. Uh, so you and you also have this reporting uh, to the Ukrainian reader uh, about the West, uh, mm-hmm. what they found there. But probably most importantly, you have. Uh, a sense of what happens with contact with the West and what the West knows or doesn't know uh, about Ukraine and uh, and much of this is based on real life because uh, in the early 90s, uh, a lot of the you know, these, uh, these writers, these uh, 80 years writers were among the first uh, you know, people to get invited to universities uh, and they did spend time in the West. So it's not strange that they ended up uh, creating characters that maybe, you know, could express some of the things that they experienced there. Uh, so that's a very important uh, character which of course we, we couldn't have had in Soviet mm-hmm. Ukraine literature, uh, this ambassador to the West because of course the West is what everybody was fascinated with then. But then you have the third uh, and quite prevalent protagonist in these works of the Ukraine intellectuals is a sick or abnormal mm-hmm. uh, individual. Uh, you have a lot of alcoholism, you have a lot of self destruction, you have a lot of allusions to sickness, the Something's not quite right. That uh, uh, t- to be an Ukraine, intellectual is is, is is just you're off kilter to begin with. Uh, and we see a lot of these um, these char- these sick characters who are suffering the fate of their people uh, through through these characters. So that's the third uh, prototype.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, what about this third section, community?
1: Well, you mentioned the three sections um, euphoria chaos and, and community and it's, it's important to say that understand that these three tendencies they often intertwined they coexisted and they conflicted of course um, and when I when I mention euphoria I'm talking about the deconstruction of inherited myths this 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 destruction of authority, of rules, uh, celebration of freedom to proceed with deconstruction, this uh, this revelry, this party, uh, deconstructive revelry is what I call one of the subsections. But then you have this chaos, this kind of sense of disappointment, disillusionment, and a return to the margins. Uh, uh, if you have the Ukraine intellectual as the central figure in this euphoria, uh, um, because they knew the West uh, the best, because they they did have uh, some access to this uh, unofficially. Uh, if you have this swashbuckling performer, you have this uh, person traveling to the West, and you have this uh, Ukrainian intellectual at the center, here is, uh, or she's returned to the, to the margins, and you get the sense of this disappointment and sense of a lost generation. And then there's a lot of contradictions here, because you have this uh, need for some kind of structure that you just dismantle. And this is where this community comes. So there's a need for a sense of structure that but that is not totalitarian, that is not uh that is flexible, that is playful, uh, but that nonetheless gives you a sense of community. And this arena of contradictions, this battle between freedom structures, is 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 a balance, is it's search for balance compatible with this post Soviet Ukraine identity.
0: So, uh, like you mentioned during this time period Ukraine became open to the West and on the other hand the West became open to Ukraine so probably it will be um, correct to say that Ukrainian literature was somehow responding to the um, international so to speak developments of um, uh, literature and it was the time period when postmodernism was still quite um, strongly shaping um, many literatures Uh, and uh, could we uh, talk a a, a little bit about about uh, this um, postmodernism presence in Ukrainian lit- literature, um, in your book uh, you uh, 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 identify that um, um, the perception of postmodernism in, uh, was uh, quite controversial. On the one hand, Ukrainian writers were quite enthusiastic about those possibilities that postmodernism would uh, uh, present them with. Um, on the other hand, um, they. Was some resistance or some um, um, well, some some uh, maybe negative won't be the correct word, but like cautious attitude toward that um, trend. Um, On the other hand, Ukrainian uh, audience, as uh, you specify, um, was also quite. uh, not quite ready to um, um, receive this postmodern text. Could you could you t- talk uh, about this aspect a little bit about this controversies of um, postmodernism reception in um, Ukrainian uh, literature during this time period?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, l- like I just just mentioned previously, uh, a lot of this this. Um, deconstruction of, of, of rules and of systems that was inherited. And it's important here to also mention that they were not just deconstructing uh, the Soviet or colonial uh, legacy, but they were also deconstructing uh, the Ukrainian national legacy and what was ex- uh, required, uh, what was um expected of a Ukrainian writer, because there were there were rules there as well, obviously not as strict as the uh, as the Soviet, but uh, rules nonetheless that these writers decided to need to free themselves from, um, you know, the serving the nation and uh, also strict themes of what could be written. Uh, so they also dismantled that the idea of a truth uh, mm-hmm. in a work, uh, narratives, uh, truth, uh, you know, the authors, uh, and language itself uh and yes it it was it was controversial um and there were not all writers in ukraine writing in the 90s uh did this uh but adopted postmodernism. but uh there were groups that were quite actually it was negative Uh, they were criticized very much for this uh there were uh, young writers their colleagues uh, who who said that this isn't right for Ukrainian literature. We need to, you know, don't just copy the West. Why are you just copying mm-hmm. the West? We might, we need to find something that's organic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there was a debate, uh, there, um, uh, and audiences We're talking about audiences. Then, uh, sure. Uh, they were, there was very negative, uh, reactions to this, um, just as an example, uh, the the, the, men- the journal that I mentioned earlier, Svitchasnyi, the contemporary scene, it used to be published in the Soviet times. It was the top intellectual Ukraine journal, was published uh, in in Munich and then transferred to New York, and then when Ukraine became independent, uh, it moved to to Kiev. And uh, the first issue that was published in Ukraine, uh, it's very interesting because the because it wasn't just a, it was a it wasn't just a literary journal. Uh, many things were were uh were covered by the journal but on the cover of that first cave uh version of suchasnist you had a picture of uh Need Kravchuk mm-hmm. the f- president of, of Ukraine then uh and the first uh prose work that was in there was Yuri Onderhoch's recreations and uh a lot of uh, subscribers to this journal who made it possible were people emigres uh many of them uh a bit older. And uh, there was a lot a lot of negative criticism uh, thrown at such and at the literary editor at that time, Michael, who was part of the Chubai's literary underground in the 60s and 70s, that he pu- published on uh on the pages and uh, nasty letters were written, uh, canceling subscriptions. And uh, so there was a lot of backlash, uh, also outside of Ukraine, uh, for, for for this new literature, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. playful and postmodern, uh, as as the as and the Bubba were, was they actually utilized some of these letters uh, when these books were published and and quoted them, uh, saying how horrible these works are. And when the when the recreations was finally published as a book, then it included some of these some of these nasty letters.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just mentioned that um, uh some ukrainian writers or or even some ukrainian readers believe that uh, postmodernism is not right uh, for ukrainian literature and um that they um, need some more uh, some something more organic so c- could you uh, could you explain that a little bit uh, what is not right for the ukrainian literature and uh, what is right for the ukrainian literature according to uh, those ukrainian writers uh, who were quite uh, um careful about this adoption of postmodernism um,
1: in Ukraine? Yeah, uh, there was expressed the, the, the idea that the Ukrainian literature needs to do something for the Ukraine people. Mm-hmm. Ukrainian uh, literature is, is now free. Ukraine is now free and there has to be a spiritual aspect to it. It has to be uh, looking inwards, finding something that's uniquely Ukrainian. Um, Again, not copying uh, what they consider to be Western styles. Uh, the playfulness uh, of a lot of this literature uh, was also seen as uh, not appropriate. The d- dismantling of the Ukrainian national um the rules that I mentioned uh was also seen as, as as not right. Why would they be doing that now when Ukraine's finally free? Why are they attacking that as well? Mm-hmm. Um so it was a it was a, an idea that Ukraine is not quite ready yet for this play, uh that the West maybe has that we need to first build some foundation. Now we have an opportunity to do this, but uh, these writers are uh playing with this so-called post-modernism, and they, were, and they were accused of doing this only to get published and invited uh, to the West. Um, so... Those, those were the main criticism
0: of this. Mm-hmm. And where would you locate the role of tradition in this conversation about what is right, what is not right for uh, Ukrainian literature? Um, because if, um, in your book you also discuss the uh, combination of um, new searches and uh, incorporation of um, uh, literary traditions while searching for, again, for something new or for something maybe more organic for Ukrainian literature or more unique for Ukrainian literature well yeah, in a lot of a lot of uh, what uh,
1: these writers were criticized for, were uh, and for playing with the idea of, of what the Ukrainian tradition uh, requires of the Ukrainian writer uh, and this need to serve the nation uh, and which was always you know a big part of it since Ukrainian literature as it came out with you know it's this was always a requirement, uh, except for very few periods of time. This was kind of the dominant um, tradition uh, of mm-hmm. Ukrainian literature, and uh, and these writers played with that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but for them, it was as essential as shaking off any uh, colonial um, or Soviet uh, rules. Uh, it was it was about being. F- f- Really expressing oneself uh, in art. And of course, you know, they are serving the Ukrainian people and the nation, if you want to call it that way, by writing good literature and Mm -hmm. uh, and creating a vibrant uh, Ukrainian culture that that people uh, may be interested in outside of Ukraine. Uh, So it was kind of a narrow way of looking uh at this writing uh by saying that they're rejecting tradition because of course they are part of the tradition there's just a different approach to it to taking advantage of, uh, of the situation and the freedom allotted to them
0: right uh, so uh, ukrainian literature means that uh, literature is uh written in the ukrainian language and uh, uh well Maybe uh, some um, writers were using some uh, different language, like Russian, but I would like to uh, talk a little bit about the role of language in this um, conversation about Ukrainian literature of the 1990s and... um, uh, Of course, to some extent, it's a part of the conversation about postmodernism. But on the other hand, uh, it's a very specific uh, discussion in the context of um, Ukrainian community, because um, when we talk about um, uh, languages in Ukraine during this time period, we also uh, mean uh, not only Ukrainian language, but the uh, Russian language as well. And the coexistence of these two languages in the territory of Ukraine is quite long and complex. Uh, But uh, specifically for this uh, period, this coexistence um, appeared to be um, quite significant and uh, important. And um, it also contributed uh, not only to the development of Ukrainian literature during this time period, but also to some uh, identity formation. So would you make a couple of comments about, uh, about um, the Ukrainian language during this time period and about uh, the perception of the Ukrainian language during this time period and uh, how writers were using the language to deliver their messages and to uh, shape probably um, new identity or uh, to deliver this uh, new, um, uh, new searches um, uh, in the context of changing environments?
1: Yeah, I mean, and, you know, when, when you mentioned, uh, at the beginning of this question uh, about Ukraine literature written in the Ukrainian language, um, you know, you can define U- Ukrainian literature in many ways, uh, right. and, uh, literature that is written by Ukrainian citizen, um, you know, to broader even Ukrainian literature written up, you know, outside Ukraine, uh, but Ukrainian language. So, you know, there's many ways of defining this, uh, and but for the purposes of, of my book, I focused on uh, writers that write in Ukrainian because uh, that was an essential part of of, um, of what they explored in this, and the language itself, like you mentioned, and the, the, kind of this postmodern dismantling of language in general, but also the specific uh, force, the specific uh, issue The Ukrainian language uh, is is such an essential part of 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 these prose works that um, you know it had to be explored this way. Uh, You know, Ukrainian language, as you mentioned, has a complex history in Ukrainian land. Uh, You know, its existence was denied; it was banned Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm by actual tsars' decrees. uh, You know, when it has been allowed uh, to be. Used in culture, it was it was curtailed. It was co-opted and standardized. Uh, its unique features were 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 diminished. Uh, you know, when when you would have uh, Ukraine dictionaries, Soviet Ukraine dictionaries uh, would uh, omit uh, a perfectly uh, good Ukrainian word, but mm-hmm. replace it with. Uh, Just the Ukrainian sounding version of a Russian word for it, let's say. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, certain letters were removed from the alphabet. Uh, So it's and how Ukrainian language people were were presented in in Soviet culture, uh, kind of as these country bumpkins or marginals, uh, you know, the Ukrainian language was made an issue already. So Mm -hmm. uh, as a subject uh, in these works, uh, as a theme, uh, it's important for these writers to take it on. and, and they do that. Soksana Zabushko, one of the writers I focus on in the book mentioned in an essay, uh, choosing to write in Ukrainian language, you know, at the time in the eighties, basically you're, you're, you're choosing to write a language that's eventually going to die out. Right. right. Uh, nobody knew at the time that uh, Ukraine would be free and, but that's the way it was heading. So it's not a logical choice. So, um, it's, it's already some kind of choice made for another purpose. Uh, and that's why these uh, criticisms of these writers for not serving the Ukrainian cause, uh, you know, seem kind of ridiculous when just choosing to write in the language. Unfortunately, comes with all this baggage. So, and this is kind of what I'm talking about about this this things that contradict one another. So you have these writers trying to get away from uh, this this baggage that comes with writing in Ukrainian language and creating Ukrainian literature and be free. Uh, but on the other hand, they know this comes with it and they try to play with it, but they cannot distance themselves from it because they are writing in this language and because of the complex history of this language. Uh, so then that's a very essential part of this Ukrainian literature that I'm focusing on the the issue of the Ukrainian language. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: So, um, you primarily um, uh, focused on the 1990s um, for your research, and um, um, what about the uh, perception of uh, of the language, the Ukrainian language, and um, uh, of the topic that you raised in your research, the Ukrainian intellectual um, in the uh, 21st century, the beginning of the tw- uh, 21st century? Um, could you could you make a couple of comments on the very current uh, trends, and if you observe any other new uh, masks of the Ukrainian intellectual, or any other um, a, any other um, different uh, approaches to the Ukrainian language at present moment? Uh, well, I mean, if, if you're asking to comment on uh,
1: like a later generation of literature. Right. Uh, uh, what, 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 what do you? Yeah, there's less of. Uh, there's less of preoccupation. It, it, to compare them with the 80s writers, uh, this idea of the West uh, is, is 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 not uh, as it's approached differently. For example, mm-hmm. when Sirhij Adans, who's who's a bit younger than these writers, when his first book of prose uh, was um, published, you know he sends his his protagonists to Europe, but he's not having all these he's not suffering from all this uh these contacts with uh people in the West that are ignorant of Ukraine. He you know, he's sitting on a bench drinking beer in Vienna and he's mm-hmm. and he's happy with that. So this idea of, of making this contact and exploring that is no longer necessary. Uh in the same ways as the the um the deconstruction that took place uh in the nineties by these writers uh there's no need to do that anymore. Opening up uh, uh, new uh, new themes that can be explored in Ukrainian literature, dismantling a lot of these rules. Uh, the the younger writers don't need to do that anymore because it's been done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was done by this generation. You know, you know, writing freely about sex or a woman writing about sex and using slang words uh, in in, in the literature. Uh, there's so there's no there's no need uh, to do that where in, in these uh, works of the 90s you, you see that uh, you see you know it coming through that the, the these writers need to do that um so you have you have less of that um uh, some new tendencies mm-hmm. in, in in the literature now these newer writers uh well it's interesting uh, a lot of themes that are were presented in the 90s uh, themes such as nostalgia yes mm-hmm, right. nostalgia for a for a pre-soviet kind of Ukraine or Ukraine identity uh, it's being challenged mm-hmm. uh, in, in works and, and, and revisited and critiqued in works uh, one interesting tendency you see is a lot of or several uh, I shouldn't say a lot but several books uh, that I've read in the last couple of years that have come out, you have a lot of uh, you have characters the, the setting, you you have a character set in present times and a character set in the past and it's an uh, interesting way of revisiting uh, Ukraine's uh, history and past uh, in, in contemporary and commenting on it, so I've seen that recently You uh, I'm being very general here mm-hmm. uh, um, and of course in the last uh, two years we've had a, a lot of literature written about the uh the war um mm-hmm. in east ukraine uh themes such as volunteering popping up anthologies about volunteering um so that of course is is, is a is a new a new thing in ukraine literature
0: mm-hmm. so we're looking forward to the emergence of new characters and new, um, um, new characters in Ukrainian in Ukrainian literature. Well, uh, thank you so much for this fascinating discussion uh, of your book, uh, Mark.
1: Thank and you, Natalia. Thank you very much for your your great questions.
0: And uh, thank you so much for being with us today.